Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my co-host Gina Warfel with me and it's just us today. We are just rolling today with each other. And Gina, you have your Conquering Cravings course coming up. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give details about that? Because today we're going to be talking about tracking down cravings. And we're also going into the holiday season two where, oh my gosh, like cerebral overload with like smells and traditions and all the things. Tell listeners a little bit about the course that you're launching. You have launched it twice before and it's been a, such a wild success. People get the most beautiful ahas. You have your blood sugar course, which is so phenomenal. It's so science packed. People's minds are blown about it, right? Because it's science, right? It's science and it's these big like scientific ahas. But when it comes to conquering cravings, it's not only just scientific ahas. It's like these deeply emotional, gut-wrenching, oh my gosh, I didn't know this about myself. And yet it's the answer I didn't know I was seeking for ahas. People have these emotional breakthroughs. People cry. People like they, they go, they literally have processes, emotional processes that can take days to weeks. And then they get on the other side like their souls ripped open and then put back together and they're like a newly formed human just from this course. You know what I mean? And it's beautiful. I know I'm not wrong because I've listened to it and I've heard people's, I've heard people's stories, right? This isn't just a, hey, let's understand the biology. This is a, let's understand the biology of your body and let's understand the biology of your soul. That's what Conquering Cravings is all about. It's beautiful. And it's beautiful too, because I know Gina, I'm going to let you talk, but I just want to like, gush a little bit about what you do because you're like this shaman when it comes to addictions and foods and all the things like people literally go through like the dark night of the soul then they come out the other side enlightened and changed and like their relationship with their body is entirely different you teach people you've coined the phrase like it's not about willpower right it's not like willpower has nothing to do with cravings stop beating yourself up all of these like coaches and programs like People just hate themselves more at the end. But with your course, people fall deeply in love with themselves. They have so much compassion for their bodies. They have so much appreciation for what their body is actually trying to do for them. You get them there. You help them. You teach them that through science and through like mind, body, soul techniques. And it's a really beautiful evolution to see your students go through. So I'm going to shut up now. And have you so talk, talk about I mean, the- thinking so much for saying for seeing that and saying that and it it really like it fills my heart so much because and I'm really excited to talk about this topic today because that is right there is why I love, 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 love this stuff and talking about cravings, because for a lot of people, it has been a place of tension and fighting. And what somebody had shared with me the other day that I thought was the biggest compliment, she said, you help people see the truth of who they are. Yes. She said, I thought I was an emotional eater. I thought that's who I was, my identity. And I realized that I'm not and I have so much compassion. And so I'm really excited to talk about this today. And in Conquering Cravings, we go deeper into that understanding so that we can work with our bodies. And I think that that's the biggest challenge that sometimes we have is I know what I'm supposed to do to eat healthy. But for some reason... I'm not doing it. And I don't have that. I don't feel that uh, connection with my body. I don't feel like we're working together. We're at war. And that's really what Concrete Cravings is about is understanding why has that war been there and really coming in into harmony. So thank you so much for just recognizing that and, and saying it and sharing it. And it really fills my heart up. A million percent, because there are so many people who are at war with their bodies. And I think our whole platform over the years, we've really evolved to be like, Yes, science is important, but can we go back to the heart and the soul of things, right? And so Conquering Cravings is where science meets soul. And it's really... And information information is important. We want mm-hmm. to learn about our health, but it's a totally different experience if you're at war with your body trying to 
heal your health versus mm-hmm. in with it. A hundred percent. I said this a few years ago. I said, you can't heal a body you're at war with. That's like trying to befriend someone you're determined to despise. You know what I mean? It's like you have to make peace with your body and understand it and deeply love it. And when you embark on your healing journey from that energy, not like willpower and I'm going to force you to heal, like you come at it from like a, we are co-creating this healing path together. We're friends. Like I want to ask you a question and I want to see the answer that first pops into your head. Are you friends with your body? Mm. what just popped into your head was that a yes or no what was the first answer that came up are you friends with your body because if it's a no maybe it's not the supplements maybe it's not the diet programs maybe it's not the meal plans that you need to be focusing on right now it's that self-connection and understanding right and that is something that you lead people through you lead people through that journey which is why conquering cravings is so important I feel like it's probably the most underrated course on the planet because blood sugar, it's a buzzword and hormones, it's a buzzword and it's oh, it's all important. But yeah, all important. But when it comes to like the true healing, like changing from the energetic level up, that's where conquering craving starts. Yes, it's science, but it's soul. And so when is the course? And then tell us what we're going to be talking about today. You want to take listeners through a journey of understanding their cravings. That's what we're going to yeah. go cover today, correct? Totally. So tell them first about the course when they like, where can they sign up? What are the dates? They don't have to watch it live. It's nice if you can, because you can really get, you can drop in with the cohort, but you don't have to. So what are the dates and times and all the things, Gina? Yeah. So it starts November 7th and there's four dates. It's like a Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday. And you, just like you said, it, it you can watch it recorded. And it's just a beautiful way to create that deeper connection with your body as you're going into the holidays and creating that trust so that you don't have a holiday that feels a little maybe tense or, or chaotic. And so we begin November 7th and all the details and the information is on mygutsyhealth.com backslash conquer dash cravings. And so I think we can put the link and and we'll also leave a special discount for anyone who's here listening. And today we're going to go on a little journey of understanding what are the different drivers of cravings and causes. Okay. What's step one? So I think of this as there are four different factors, four core factors. There are some other little things, but these are like the core ones that I see And just before like I go into that, I do want to share like, how did I get to understanding these four drivers? Do it. I love talking about this because it was probably the most profound thing that has impacted my health, my life. Because if you've heard me talk about this on the podcast before, you might have heard me share a little bit, but I've always loved science and health and nutrition. And I went to school to become a registered dietitian because I wanted to know what is the truth with health. And like a lot of people being influenced by the diet industry, eat, eat this way, eat that way. And so I started to notice that it felt really hard. I was so interested in health. I learned all this information, but I started to get really focused on doing what was right and what was wrong. And I thought that the more information I had or the more that I scared myself into health with, you better be a good dietitian, you better represent what you're supposed to be. And you're not going to be healthy, you're going to mess up your hormones, you're going to gain weight. Like I I tried all these things to fear myself. And so I thought, you know, what? maybe I need to learn more. So then I start, then I went and got my master's degree in human nutrition. And then I did more trainings. And the more trainings and information I got, the more I felt this inner resistance around doing the right thing and the wrong thing. And I started going through these periods of eating really well, sticking to what I know as a dietitian. And it was sound science stuff. It wasn't like, it wasn't anything like a crazy diet. It was actually really sound information. Eating a healthy, balanced diet is what I really wanted to go for. But I would go through these periods of eating healthy, but then all of a sudden, it felt like something took over my brain and caused me to just grab a food and like uncontrollably eat the food. And then all of a sudden I would like something would click in my brain and I would be like, why would you just do that? You know, that's not what you wanted to eat. You know that you're trying to improve your health. You're trying to balance your hormones. You're you're going to destroy your gut if you're eating this food and you're overeating and you feel like crap. Like 
why would you do that? And I kept going through these cycles of I know what I'm supposed to do. And then it would feel like something took over me. I'd have this weak, vulnerable moment and I'd lose control. And then it would follow with like really intense judgment and shame because I'm like, you, if you can't do this, who can like health and information better than anyone inside and out? Wow. It it was Mm -hmm. really, really intense. And so you're literally the food expert. You're the dietitian. You have the master's in human health. If not you, then who? Right. You should be the, 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 the top. You should be the best of the best at this. And I and I'd hate to say this. This was a really hard, honest moment for me. But I was at a retreat one time where you and I had met and I was in the peak, peak heightened moment of this challenge where I knew so much. I was trying so, so hard. And it was like day, it was like daily. I was waking up and I was like, you're not going to do it. You're not going to eat this food. You're going to stick to your plan. I like listen to motivational music, get myself hyped up. And then by the end of the day, it was like Groundhog Day. I would sabotage, mm-hmm. eat, maybe middle of the day, maybe at night, whatever. And it was at the peak of this is the worst time that I'm, I'm so out of control and I have no like I can't stick with this discipline. And I was at this retreat and someone who was really close to me sat down with me and I'm still on the fence if this was a good conversation or not a good conversation, <laughs> if this was too much for me or if I'm grateful, but it happened and it set me on, sent me on a deeper exploration. But he sat down with me and he said, and I, I was feeling very out of alignment with my body. I just did not feel like I was in my natural rested health. I was working out so hard, trying so hard to eat good. And he sat down and he said, Gina, you know so much. You are literally the smartest person that I know about health. Your body, I would guess, would absolutely reflect everything that you know, but it doesn't. What is going on? Wow. And it was the hardest mirror. I mean, I was like, it felt like a knife to my gut. Like I was like, Oh my God, he can see that even though I have so much knowledge, my body is screaming for my attention. Hey, we're out of alignment. And it was one of the most painful mirrors to have. But, and I remember I broke down crying and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay. And it was like that moment of truth and honesty of let's get real. You don't need any more trainings and certifications there's more for you to understand about why you do what you do. And it was a very, very hard, hard, painful mirror. I still don't know if maybe it was too much. It was very blunt, but it did send me deeper into like, okay, asking that deeper question, what is really going on and exploring this? Well, it reminds me of the saying that Britt brought to one of our podcasts. She said, information without integration is lost. And, you know, like if really healing and health was based on the amount of information we're packing in our brains, like everyone spending five to 10 hours a week listening to podcasts and following health influencers on Instagram, we'd all be healthy, right? Truly, it's not about the information. It's not. It's not about collecting more data because I, I have found the more data people collect, the more turmoil there is within them. Like they are confused and conflicted and like, and it's scary. Like even I've gotten to that point where I'm like, I don't want to be a disease expert anymore. I don't want to learn the mechanisms of disease. I don't want to learn the mechanisms of viruses and pathogens. And my body is done with that. My body just wants to live and be, you know what I mean? Like it just, you know, and so, so it's really not about collecting more data. It's about integrating that. And so I, yeah. I find it interesting. I think I'm really grateful that you had that conversation because me too. I, I'm grateful, but man, it still gives me goosebumps because I remember <laughs> that gut wrenching somebody mm-hmm. being willing to say, Hey, I'm going to be an honest mirror for you. Yeah. I can see there's, I can see it on you that mm-hmm. there is something deeper. And I'm like, <laughs> and it sent me on this deeper path. And I really do. It's not that I don't believe in science and health. I I stand by it so much. Even in our Gutsy Academy, we see life changing experiences from people who implement information. And there is value to a ton of science and information. And if you're in that place where you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but there's inner friction inside of me. Like you can feel Mm -hmm. what it feels like when there's inner friction versus harmony with your healing. 
Yeah, you can. So where did you go from there? I kind of did two different things. So at the time I was a dietitian, but I actually I decided to stop working with clients because I was like, whoa, I need to really go deeper into understanding myself. And so I did two things when I started actually looking up more information and science, but deeper around why do we do what we do? What's happening when it why does it feel like something is taking over my brain and controlling me? And I actually got a lot of compassion when I saw that there is actually a science and a chemistry thing that's happening inside of our body. And then I also took a massive amount of space to begin really listening to, okay, body, if I surrendered this war and I started listening to you and creating a safe space to hear you, what might you tell me? And it unlocked so much information about what my body has been trying to get my attention for. And so then when I started working with people and my clients and I started taking on more clients working on their health, what I started to notice was this trust piece was huge. Pretty much every client, some people needed to learn some things around health, but most of them were the thing that they said was like, I've tried diet after diet after diet. And I just like, I'm afraid of doing anything else. I don't trust myself with food. I don't trust myself to start something new. I'm like, okay, great. Let's work on this self-trust piece. And that seemed to be the thing that changed everything. It smoothed out the big roller coasters of the on and the off. And that's what it did for me is I stopped doing the sprints of like, intensity, you have to do this to self-sabotage. It was like, oh, I started seeing what were all the different things that caused my cravings. And so everything we're going to touch on today, most of them were things that I discovered with myself or the core things that I see with my clients. Like I said, there are a lot of different things that can contribute to a craving, but these are the core four things that if you hit on these four things, you're probably going to hit some really big stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, before you go into those things, I, I asked the question earlier in the podcast for people to answer internally. But the second question I want to ask before we go into that is, do you trust yourself and do you trust your body? Like the first one was, do you love your body? The second one is, do you actually trust it? And I'd be curious to see what people's answers are around that, because it's that is a relationship that needs to heal before we embark on any healing journey. Like that should be step one. Right. And we constantly try to bypass it and put our trust in supplements and doctors and physicians and experts and influencers. And yet the body is still calling to you and it's saying, can you come back and return to me and trust me? Can we have a relationship again? Can we fix us? And I know it's so hard to know that you that it's possible if you've never trusted yourself. If one thing can give you some a little bit of hope is that have you always done the same kind of diets again and again and again and lost trust? That's the same thing. If you're counting calories and you're doing numbers, counting calories tells your body, I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. I need to use my brain because you can't be trusted. And so we create further and further disconnection from actually understanding it. So have you really given yourself the time to learn the language of your body and what it's telling you about what it actually needs to be able to build trust? I love that. So what is step one? You said you've come up with these four steps. Yeah. So four different things. I don't know if they're necessarily in an order, but the first one to consider is this one is kind of the easy check the box. Okay. The the food that you're eating, the food that you're eating will definitely impact. Do you have food cravings or not? And so one of the biggest things that I think sometimes when we're changing our health, we try to cut back how much we're eating. And sometimes we get so motivated that we might not eat all morning. And we're like, I'm going to fast. And I remember I was doing that. I was like, I'm going to fast until 1 p.m. And then and that's how I'm going to lose weight. And then I'll eat a healthy dinner. But sometimes that not eating for so long or not eating enough, it's just natural. Your body is going to be like, hey, we didn't get enough food. So it's going to control you to overcompensate the next time that you eat. And so I think two of the biggest things that I see from the food perspective is people not eating enough food and expecting Uh that they can just live that way, like an 800 calorie thing and expecting that they're able to maintain control over their food by restricting that much. Right. And you can't, it's very hard to do that. And the second one with food is I see a lot of people who don't have control over their food eating a very carb-based diet. 
instead of getting a lot of proteins and especially first thing in the morning, they're eating something like toast or uh, oatmeal or cereal or something that's really carb heavy. And they Mm. go on that sugar roller coaster. They get that big crash and the protein and the good fats and the savoriness that can be a really big one to check off the list. So an easy check would be just, hey, how am I eating? Am I actually eating enough food? Am I getting good fats? Am I getting good proteins? Or am I trying not to eat all day? And then I'm snacking on like popcorn and rice cakes that gives me like a blood sugar spike and a crash. Sometimes when you balance out just the way that you're eating, oh, wow, I feel so much better. Mm -hmm. Can you tell people, because this is so important, there's the whole bandwagon of fasting and intermittent fasting, which is mostly promoted by men. And all the studies on fasting are actually conducted on men. And so I do, I've lamented about this so many times and I'm going to do it again. I hate these health influencers that are all these ripped ripped men with one hormonal cycle a day. It's consistent every day. And they're preaching to women, hey, you should fast too. I would love to find a man who has two hormonal cycles like we do and say the exact same thing. I think they would all eat their words and be like, I am so sorry. This is actually a lot harder than we realized in a female body. Right. So I hate it when male health influencers are lecturing women populations about how they should be eating when they have no clue how we feel in our bodies and no clue about the chemistry and the hormonal imbalances and balances and the enormous amount of energy for those hormonal fluctuations it takes. And so I think and correct me if I'm wrong, most women should not be fasting. Some women should talk with your doctors, talk with your like your, your personalized health person who knows your case. But in many cases, like what is the chemistry that is happening when women are fasting? Because because yeah. mm-hmm. because you can't like you can't override chemistry. That's why people binge. So tell people what is happening on a chemical level. Yeah. Totally. Well, most people who need who are like wanting to lose weight, they've been eating excess calories. And I think of it just plain and simple for most people. Excess calories are that drive to eat excess calories provides safety in the body. So if you are doing something, you probably actually need the signal of safety in your body. We're going to go a little bit deeper into this when we talk about one of the other four components. But if you've been overeating because your body actually has been needing safety your whole life, And then some trainer is, oh, you should do intermittent fasting because it helps you lose weight. And now you're doing like 18 hours of not eating. That really triggers your nervous system, a lack of safety that you don't have food. So your body needs to feel very safe. Your nervous system has to feel very safe in order to effectively do fasting, which tends to be like the ripped biohackers who have never had issues with overeating or safety issues in their body. So when you take the overweight person who maybe has needed grounding and safety and excess calories for protection and you tell her do something that triggers a lack of safety her nervous system is probably going to take over and cause a binge when she starts eating again so even for me I found that when I was doing 18 hour fast I even sometimes did 24 hour fast 16 hour fast when I was trying to get back in shape it never actually got me to getting in shape ever. It was like a temporary, like my brain was like, oh, you're losing weight, you're doing great. But then whether it was either the same day or even maybe just days later, my food intake would go up and it would feel uncontrollable. And I'd be like, man, why don't you have more discipline? But I think once I restored safety in my body and now I'm just in tune with it, I don't have any rules around. I fast, I don't fast. I'm just like, I just eat when my body is like, hey, we're ready. We're ready to eat. And for me, that works way better for like just staying in shape, creating trust with my food, feeling at peace with my food and my body. It works so much better. Well, and one thing I want to add to is a lot of people put on weight, not because, yes, there's many reasons why we put on weight, right? One is when is eating not enough proteins, blood sugar dysregulation, eating too many carbs. But another reason is because you don't have nutrient density. Right. And so when you are eating a lot of empty calories, carby foods, processed foods, you're not getting the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants necessary for proper hormone balancing. And so when we have unbalanced hormones and nutrient depletion, you're going to put on weight, but you're going to crave food more because you're actually starving. You're eating a lot of calories that don't have a lot of nutrition in it. And so what happens is these people that have weight to lose, 
they hear someone say, go and intermittent fast, the body is saying, I'm already starving and you're going to starve me more. So you're going to binge extra, right? So if someone who is intermittent fasting is having success with it, it's because they've actually done the homework and they've been eating nutrients, like all their calories that they put in their body is nutrient density. They're eating a boatload of vitamins, minerals. They're taking supplements. They're they're getting their B vitamins in. They're getting their antioxidants, their fatty acids in. And so their body isn't actually starving. Their body is getting everything it needs. But I would say nine out of 10 people don't do that. They went from already starving and eating empty calories and don't like an empty calorie is high calorie, low nutritional point. And so Yes, you're getting a lot of calories, but you're getting no micronutrients. And micronutrients is what actually changes the chemistry of your body, right? Right. The macronutrients are the energy fuel. The micronutrients controls how you process the energy. So people are going from already starving, but putting on weight to starving even more now, going into a heightened stress response and then craving way more because they are they're now starving again on top of starving. It's like starving squared. That's a good point. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And so you have to be really careful about that. If you're going to start intermittent fasting, make sure you are have onboarded yourself correctly. You've spent at least three months getting your nutritional profile up and elevated to a point where your body is actually healthy, right? An unhealthy person shouldn't fast. A healthy person probably can't. All right. And so check your B vitamins, check your antioxidants, your omegas, your protein intake. Are you getting eight servings of vegetables a day? If not, maybe fasting isn't the right thing right now. Maybe you should focus on how do I get more veggies into my diet? How do I get more proteins into my diet? That should be step one, not let me fast to see if I can quickly biohack my body into losing weight. It's going to backfire every single time. Hey, Getsy listeners, I want to give a shout out to Cozy Earth once again for always delivering on the softest and most luxurious sheets. You spend a third of your life sleeping, which means you need to make it count as 80% of your healing and repairing happens while you're sleeping. And if you want a temperature regulated, unparalleled comfort Zen Den, Cozy Earth has got you from sheets to pillows and now blankets. It's a no brainer that investing in your sleep is not an indulgence, but an actual necessity. Not only that, but Cozy Earth is providing an exclusive offer to my listeners today up to 40 percent off site-wide when you use the code gutsy i'm not kidding you my new husband loves everything north pole cold and i love everything south african hot and so these sheets are perfect for the both of us as they are just so comfortable and so regulating so trust me cozy earth won't let you down with their products they are phenomenal yep agreed okay so step two number two yes Yeah. So we have food. What's the food that you're eating? Step two, we want to look at what is your mood? Do you feel Mm -hmm. like you have this low slump? It could be like depression. And that's a sign that there's a neurotransmitter imbalance. And neurotransmitters will directly affect our level of sugar cravings. So what they have found is that low levels of serotonin in the brain will increase our drive for sugar. And so that when we eat sugar, it'll temporarily improve our mood. It'll temporarily leave, leave anxiety. But low, this low serotonin, even though it's increasing our sugar cravings, when we eat sugar, it doesn't keep our serotonin up. And what happens is it will desensitize our, our serotonin receptors in the brain. So over time, we feel less sensitive to serotonin. So then we eat more sugar, we feel a little bit better. But then that desensitizes our serotonin receptors and we end up getting in a little bit of a trap. And so what they have found is that people with high sugar cravings tend to have low serotonin and low availability of the building blocks that make serotonin, which is tryptophan. And there was actually one study where they had one group taking the building blocks to trip to serotonin, 5-HTP. And they had another group that was just a placebo. And these were people who were diabetic. And what they saw is that people who were the people who were diabetic actually had significantly lower availability of those building blocks to make tri- sorry to make serotonin in the brain and they actually had a higher carbohydrate and sugar intake. So when they had the people who were diabetic, the one, the group that took the 5-HTP, 
they had significantly reduced their carbohydrate intake naturally and lower sugar cravings and they lost weight because of it. So does that all make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like their brain is literally starving for stimulation. But then because sugar is a drug, right? Carbs and sugar, like they're it's the most addicting substance on the planet. And I mean, I'm sure everyone knows of the study, but they uh, did a study on rats and obviously humans are not rats, but I think this is very telling. They did a study on rats where they gave rats water with sugar in it. So sugar water and then rats with heroin in it. And the rats went to the sugar every single time. And so it's way more because it stimulated their brain more. And obvious. And what's interesting is sugar is the most legal substance on the planet. There should be laws with restrictions on how much sugar we put in food, but there is none because the food lobbying companies are so powerful, right? And they literally have scientists not only fudge data on sugar and sugar consumption, but they have scientists specifically formulate the best ways possible to utilize sugar to make their food more addicting so you buy it more, right? So for instance, fructose, high fructose corn syrup compared to glucose. Fructose and glucose are two different sugar molecules, right? When you eat fruit, it's most of the time we'll just say it's 50% glucose, 50% fructose. Glucose will trigger your body to release a hormone that that satiates you. Fructose does not. So Mm. that's why you can eat an entire tub of ice cream and still go for another tub. Because they pump that ice cream with high fructose corn syrup, the ghrelin, the hunger hormone, doesn't get turned on. And so you're just pounding, 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 pounding. However, if you go to an ice cream that uses organic sugar that isn't high fructose corn syrup, you will fill up faster on that because they use glucose and fructose. And Mm. so isn't that insane? And so everything that you're saying is, yeah, like these are literal chemical stimulants in the brain. But like you said, like you stimulate the brain and then you need a harder hit and a harder hit and a harder hit. Like any other drug out there, like any heroin addict, right? Like you look at heroin users, they started with a little bit and they they need a bigger hit and a bigger hit and a bigger hit to get the exact same high. It's the same with our food. And so Mm -hmm. and the reason why we're not creating all that serotonin and the dopamine, the reason why like we have that imbalance is one, because of leaky gut. And back to nutrient density, when you're not eating nutrient dense foods with all the micronutrients, you don't have the building blocks to create neurotransmitters to balance your brain chemistry. And so everything you said makes perfect sense. So like 5-HTP, tryptophan is that building block to serotonin. And tryptophan, we think of our protein. Tryptophan is an amino acid that comes from protein. So often when we have sugar cravings, we're eating a lot of carbs and a lot of sugar. And our intake of protein is severely suboptimal mm-hmm. and especially tryptophan. So a lot of the time, if you feel that like melancholy, you're needing that pleasure, that stimulation, it is very likely it could be low serotonin. And if you provide that building block, you could almost within a day, a day or two mm-hmm. days. And I've had many of my students, we go a little bit deeper into this in Conquering Cravings. We talk about dosing and things like that. And how would you maybe know? And I've had multiple students reach out to me by because we talk about 5-HTP, I think on the first day. And some of my students wanted to try it. And they reach out to me and they're like, Gina, I feel like a different person in this exact same day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a different person. My mood feels better. I feel lighter. I haven't had sugar cravings. And it is incredibly powerful. It can be incredibly powerful if the neurotransmitter imbalance is something that's present for you. And it, it is very common. You know, it's interesting because, again, it all comes back to you have to fight fire with fire. You have to fight chemical imbalance with chemical imbalance, right? You can't fight a a brain chemical imbalance with willpower. It's not going to happen. You have to fight that craving or that depletion by providing it what it's looking for, which is nutritional value, vitamins, minerals, amino acids, right? Proteins. Here's a great one that I love to use. It doesn't have anything. Well, it has a lot to do with the brain, but women that crave chocolate, I just say supplement with magnesium and your sugar craving, your sugar craving and your chocolate craving will go away within 24 hours. I haven't had one person say that didn't work for me. Whoa. Yes, because it's that powerful. And then like their periods are better because they're supplementing with magnesium. Like I've had so many women that are like, when I'm on my period, I just want to pound all the chocolate all day long. And I'm like, great. 
just start taking magnesium and not literally their first cycle. They're like, I didn't crave any chocolate. I could have gone for the chocolate, but I didn't. And they're like, and I was fully in choice. I didn't feel like a monster trying to find all the chocolate in the house and then going to the store. It's because you use chemistry to balance a chemical imbalance. Interesting that you said that because I didn't really think about that particular situation. But now that you're saying this, I do remember having horrible, like really intense. I had to have chocolate. And I mm-hmm. also didn't trust myself to keep chocolate in the house around my period. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't feel that at all anymore. I don't actually get those chocolate cravings. So that's actually really interesting. You said that. I didn't think about it. I know every time I get a chocolate craving, I'm like, oh, it's been a few days since I've taken magnesium. And then I just start oh, taking magnesium yeah. and it goes completely away. Like completely. You guys try that. It's the mm-hmm. best hack on the planet. And then 5-HTP. Like what an amazing hack for your brain. And just yes. eating protein. Like eating protein and there's wonderful protein shakes out there. There's perfect aminos that you can start taking too that are highly absorbable amino acids. It doesn't require breakdown in your gut if you have digestive issues. There are so many great resources out there. So So that's how you would know, right? So first we have food. You're checking in with yourself. Am I eating enough food? Am I getting enough protein? You're checking in on my mood. Does this feel like a mood, a neurotransmitter imbalance kind of thing? I'm curious with that. The next one that we get to is the third core one is nervous system. And Mm -hmm. this one is probably the biggest mind blowing realization for me of it's not about willpower. And you would know that you're having a nervous system response if you're the kind of person that one minute you have a lot of willpower and motivation and you're like, I'm having a great day and the sun's out and you're motivated and you're like, I'm never looking back. I'm never eating the cookies. I'm on my path and I'm doing it this time. And then all of a sudden you like self-sabotage and it feels like you go into a hypnosis and almost like something takes over your brain and then you just grab thing and then you overeat it. And then after you come back to this realization and you're like, what just happened? Why would I do that? That doesn't make sense. This isn't my goals that cycle was the most most powerful thing that was affecting my ability to have control over my food cravings and this one this hypnosis feeling is a nervous system response interesting I think everyone can relate to that where you're like I don't care it doesn't matter anymore and then you're like two lays of chips in and you're like what was I thinking of course it matters it really does feel like a hypnosis like you have been taken over like something takes over your body and nothing else matters. All I remember, Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember actually feeling like there was a magnet to the fridge or the cupboard or whatever I did. It was almost like there was a magnet that was pulling my body and I was watching myself do it. And it was like watching this train wreck. And that's what came with the most negative self-talk with myself because it's like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like it literally feels like you you went zombie mode and something took mm-hmm. over your brain and it was just like, whoa, what happened? And that is the clear sign of the nervous system response. So what is actually happening? Why does that happen? Yeah. So in our brains, we have these two core areas that will regulate our intake. And if you feel like, let's say you're having a good day and your nervous system feels safe, you're in that parasympathetic state and your body's we're safe, we're great. You can only lose weight and change the way that you're eating, whether it's the amount of calories you're eating or what you're eating. You can only do this in a safe state. And so let's say the day that you feel good and you're happy and your nervous system feels at rest, you have great willpower. And you might notice that on the day that you're like, yeah, it's super easy to eat the salad. It's no problem. Health is easy, right? That's called your prefrontal cortex in the brain that's working. That prefrontal cortex is active when your body feels safe. And it gives you like good willpower and it gives you rational thinking, which is like salad equals health. I can do that. It's very rational. And then your brain, its job is it's always scanning the environment, whether it's outside of you. Remember in the last podcast episode, mm-hmm. Abe talks about the extero proprioception. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to listen to that podcast, by the way. It oh, is God, it so, so good. good. It, he talks all about the nervous system and brain stimulation. It's phenomenal. If you are into like really understanding why your body goes into certain responses, stress responses, like you should listen to that podcast. It's phenomenal, but keep going. Good. Yeah. So our brain is looking for any potential threat. So it's looking outside of us and it's looking inside of us. 
And that is the brain's priority. Priority is not for you to look great or lose weight even or healthy, even though we think we're like, oh, my gosh, if I don't change my health, something bad could happen. That's actually still not the number one priority. The number one priority is are you safe? Mm -hmm. So So, the lizard brain comes out, right? Like the most. And what I want to want to emphasize is evolutionarily speaking, the lizard brain is the part of your brain that developed first. So it's the strongest part of your brain. It will always be if anything goes awry, that will go like that's your baseline is lizard brain. The lizard brain will turn on so fast and it takes an enormous amount of energy to switch lizard brain off and get the prefrontal cortex text back on. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. You're spot on. So, yeah, it's called like the lizard brain, just like you said, that first archaic brain that was created, but it is still here. It was developed from when humans were first there, but it's still here and it's sensing our environment to see, am I okay? Am I safe? And if any information comes in that maybe there's not safety, that shuts down the prefrontal cortex activity and bing, we can see the amygdala, that lizard brain light up and become active. And so it could actually be that it sensed that there's a danger outside of you. It could also sense a danger inside of you, like any kind of internal stress. You might be thinking about, oh, no, my financial worries or my relationship problems or my self-worth or my like anything that triggers a nervous system. Am I good enough? That's activating this stress response. Am I happy in my job? Am I like all these little internal stresses? I want to talk about that. Before you go on, am I happy Mm -hmm. at my job? How many people binge each eat right after work or during work because like work is stressful or how many people are actually in relationships that they get in an argument with someone or they hang out with someone and then they're binge eating. Right. And you don't even realize it. And I want people to be really mindful of that. Right. Because we think stressors are like stressors, but stressors can be people. Here's a great example. And everyone knows how much I adore my children. But when we've had a stressful morning getting them out of the door for school and kids are like melting, I want to go and drink coffee. Like coffee is like my soother. It's my nervous system soother. It's my treat. And so we'll drop kids off. And then Ryan's like Starbucks. And half the time I can't say no. Half the time I'm like, I deserve this. I don't care. Like pump coffee in me. I don't care that I'm pregnant. Let's go. Half the time I can override that and be like, oh, that's my lizard brain. I'm like, no, let's just go home. I'll make some tea, like herbal tea or something. But on the really bad mornings, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll get into Starbucks right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally. I I had a client who she didn't realize this. And then one day she's, oh, my gosh, I had such a huge breakthrough with my health. She goes, I realize everything that you've been talking about this stress response. She goes, that never used to resonate with me because I'm not in survival. What do you mean? I'm not surviving. I'm fine. She goes, now it makes so much sense to me. I came home and I realized that every day when I come home from work, my husband starts like complaining about his day mm. and he starts like laying on all of this on me. Mm. And immediately she goes, I never realized it. But as soon as that starts, I immediately go to grab a snack to soothe my nervous system response. And I never realized it. Crazy. She's like, it immediately activates my stress response. And she goes, if I would have never realized that, I would have always been at war with, man, why do you come home and indulge in these snacks? What is wrong with you? Because we had in the past set goals around, let's do a healthier snack or let's just wait till dinner. Mm -hmm. And she could never do it. And now she's, oh, actually what I needed was a boundary with my husband to be like, hey, I'm eat a few minutes for myself before we like unpack our days. She's like, that was actually all that I needed. And now that I have that awareness, I regulate my own internal nervous system and I just don't even feel drawn to having those snacks anymore. It's That's like crazy. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And yet it makes perfect sense. And we totally. all like, I want everyone to look for those triggers in their life, right? Like, why am I snacking at the same time every day? Or when I hang out with someone or, you know what I mean? Like, look for the connection because that's your nervous system out of whack and your lizard brain like on fire. Yeah. And so what happens is when that amygdala gets active, its job is I don't care what your goals are. I want you to be safe and sugar Mm -hmm. and excess calories provide us quick energy. That's if we have to sprint, our bodies consume glucose and sugar for quick, powerful energy. So you can't really like you use proteins and fats to be able Mm -hmm. to sprint quickly, right? We can turn glucose into energy. So 
naturally that mechanism will take over. It'll feel like a hypnosis because it's your body. Your brain is like, nope, we're going to take charge here. We need to turn off this weight loss health program. We actually need to take charge here and make sure this human's okay. Mm-hmm. So then to this hypnosis and it feels very magnetic because it's like this very primal animalistic like instinct. Like you ever mm-hmm. see an animal that's just like, I'm going to get this. It's To me, it reminds me of a tiger of this. Mm-hmm. I am going to get this food and there's nothing stopping me. Right, right. <laughs> and then you get the food and then your brain is great. We got sugar on board. The human is safe, excess calories. And now the amygdala calms down because it got the information that you're safe. Prefrontal cortex comes back online. That's our rational thinking. And it's like, and what it's the like, hell just happened? What the hell? <laughs> this is not my goal. Yes. <laughs> And and then that's where the shaming comes in because you're like, Mm -hmm. this makes no sense. I can just see the prefrontal cortex waking up from a nap and being like, I did not leave this house the way it looks right now. Who came in here and destroyed the place? This was just a quick 10 minute nap. Like, where did the tornado come from? Right. Yeah, and you can see like got knocked out over the head, and and you can see the lizard brain there just with blood all over its mouth, being like, I don't know. I didn't just eat a whole antelope by myself. Oh, my. <laughs> that's that's literally the visual I have in my head is this like disgusting leopard lizard. I'm chowing down on an animal and there's just like blood and guts everywhere. A hundred percent. That is so <laughs> relatable. Like I feel that so much. It's just animalistic and primal and disgusting. <laughs> Very much. So you're in that state. You're in that primal animalistic state. And then your conscious brain is like, hey, we should probably restrict even more. Oh, now this is really going to activate your stress response because it's not only does your brain sense that there's a stress and you need safety, but now you're taking away food, the one thing that creates safety. You're even heightening Mm -hmm. that response, which is why sometimes the more that we restrict in that state, the more our body fights back and creates a bigger binge and a bigger binge and a bigger rebound. Mm -hmm. So we stay stuck in that cycle if our nervous system is still active like that, which is why if you've lost trust again and again and again, it's I know I I get it. It's because you're stuck in this nervous system loop. The key here is not to give yourself more. It doesn't mean that you can't change your health and you can't maybe say, hey, the cookies don't serve me, but it becomes an entirely different experience when your nervous system is regulated and you have that prefrontal cortex working. So instead of focusing on so much around the restriction and don't eat and you need more willpower, let's focus on how do we come back into sending your body in the signal, that information that even though your life is busy, you have finances, you have kids, you have life, you might have a job that you can't actually change right now. How do we train the nervous system to know that you're still safe and you're not dying Mm -hmm. to keep that prefrontal cortex working and then just the cravings like they it's almost like a clenched fist that naturally just opens up and it's oh it's okay we're safe everyone should really listen to that podcast with abe where he talks about you can actually strengthen your prefrontal cortex because here's the thing like i said earlier that lizard brain the amygdala which is the strongest part of your brain and it had to be it was the one that first developed over time to keep us alive. And it did its job. We're still alive. We're still like humans are still on the earth. Right. But it it is the dominant personality in our brain. But we can strengthen the prefrontal cortex by doing certain exercises and doing like certain lifestyle changes so that the prefrontal cortex can be as strong as the amygdala. And the amygdala doesn't have to be the the dominant like character in your brain for lack of a better word. Yeah. What Abe does is really cool because, like you said, he shows us how to immediately get that prefrontal cortex back online. Mm -hmm. And in Conquering Cravings, really the core methodology that I created, because this probably was the biggest pain point for me, the this nervous system activation was what I experienced the most. That's where the Conquering Cravings methodology comes from, that it's just a step by step. Here's what I did to get that prefrontal cortex working and back online. And so it really comes down to regulating that nervous system response. And it, you might just even start by just taking a nice slow breath and feeling like oh, that soothes my nervous system and creates safety. And right. that probably doesn't get to the core of the nervous system activation, but you can immediately start using your breath to calm that nervous system response. What is step four? So we had food, mood, nervous system, and then number four is what? The last one is 
this. Things that are in our subconscious mind. And it's estimated that about some scientists and researchers estimate that about 95% of our behaviors come from our subconscious mind. And that might be if you like have a goal in your conscious mind, you're like, I want to get healthier or I want to lose weight or I want to change the way that I'm eating. But it feels like there's something pulling you back. Like it feels like there's this tug of war kind of resistance. And so if you ever feel that inner conflict, that tension, that's the subconscious. And so that could come from things that we maybe learned in childhood that we don't have awareness of. Like um, maybe if in childhood you really needed safety and you created that idea that food is safety for me or whenever we feel this internal conflict and we can start to get to know what's in our subconscious mind whenever we have maybe an identity that's pulling us back or a food is safety that's creating this inner conflict with what we want. It's interesting. There's this book, Tristan read it years ago. I can't remember. It was a psychology book of the psychologist sharing cases. And he had this client who was dealing with emotional stuff, but also obesity. And as she would process different emotional events, she would start to lose weight. And then when she got to a certain weight, it would bring up the traumas of when she was that weight 10 years ago. And then they would like unpack that and then she'd start to lose weight again. And then it would bring up the traumas of what happened when she was that weight 15 years ago. And then they would unpack that. And so there's a lot to be said about subconscious triggers and traumas and how your body responds to food because it's such a, it's a beautiful protective mechanism, right? It really is like food is soothing. I learned from your class that we are literally self-soothing when we eat. It's not mm-hmm. that like your body's trying to make you feel safe. It's trying to protect you. And it's trying to give you like a temporary high because you're in distress, right? Those are all really good things that the body's trying to do for you. It's not trying to sabotage you. And so when we can reframe that and be like, these are, this is a self-protective mechanism. And when the body like stores adipose tissue, the interview that we did with Raj is like, we store energy in our bodies. We store emotions. We store traumas. And so your tissues are literally holding on to potentially memories, potentially nervous system responses. And so there, there's so many, like there's the book called The Body Keeps the Score. And when people actually just heal emotionally, sometimes weight just comes off effortlessly without them changing anything because now their body feels safe to let that energy go. Absolutely. My clients say that all the time. One of my clients texted me and she shared with me some recent weight loss. And she goes, it's amazing. Now that my body feels safe, it's like my body is like, okay, she's safe now. We can Mm -hmm. start to let go. And sometimes it's exploring those subconscious drivers that control about 95% of our behaviors. And what's interesting is one thing I learned was from this book, this book is called Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright. And he said, this is what controls most of our decision making is that we have this area of our brain called the default mode network. And inside the default mode network is where we have a bunch of different options and decisions that are circulating out of our awareness. We don't even realize it. So you might have these decisions to make, should I eat the cookie or should I not eat the cookie? And it's circulating and it's processing inside of the default mode mode network. And the one that will get propelled, the decision that will get propelled to your conscious mind to take action on is the one that has the strongest emotional driver behind it. Wow, that's crazy. So if you're not in touch with your current emotional state and how it's attached to the foods that you're eating, you have this subconscious decision process that's happening out of your awareness that will get propelled into your conscious mind. And now you're like, okay, I need the cookie. It has the strongest emotional driver of maybe I need safety or I have anxiety or whatever is the strongest emotional pull will control your decision making. So there's a lot of power by starting to get to know what are the things that I haven't created awareness of and exploring. Do I have an identity that maybe I haven't realized that I have around being a person who has sugar cravings and that's propelling my decision making of of grabbing sugar do i have these emotions that i haven't created awareness around that's propelling forward my strongest decision making and it's going into that unknown within us by having a state of curiosity i think getting to know our subconscious and what's in there 
is by moving from a place of shame into curiosity and starting to get to know what comes through. And the subconscious area is what you really want to focus on if you're that kind of person where you're like, I have these goals, but I'm not honoring it. And it feels like there's in, inner friction, like you're in a tug of war, you're being pulled in two different directions. It's interesting because this kind of work now, exploring the subconscious, you can't do that cerebrally. You can't do that right. with like checklists. Mm -hmm. You have to really become very intimate with yourself. And that can be really scary and daunting for people because again, food cravings are pushing uncomfortable feelings away and it's self-soothing. And so sometimes the only way to the other side is through, right? Like you just have to be okay being uncomfortable for a little bit so that you can get to healing on the other side. And I think that the subconscious work and exploring the subconscious and exploring those those emotional reactions is going to be some of the most rewarding yet maybe grueling work that people will go through and i think that is what they do in conquering cravings like you explain the chemistry you explain the biology but then you invite people to do that work of self exploration because no one's ever taught us that think of that like when we grow up as children and we're in school like everything is so cerebral. Everything is like a math worksheet or everything feels like homework, right? Yeah. But when did we ever take a course? When did our parents ever talk to us about understanding our feelings, understanding our bodies? Like how many times did you, like, were you having a tantrum and instead of your mom or your dad sending you to your bedroom until it moved through you, they said, what's happening inside you right now? Like, what is it that you actually need? Right. Like well, the reason why we have all these reactions is because there is a deep seated need that isn't being met. And so we stored that all away because no one had the emotional intelligence to help us understand it. And now it's turned into these subconscious behaviors. But now we get to almost reparent ourselves and understand, oh, this was years worth of self-neglect. This was years worth of not trusting myself. This was years worth of pushing away uncomfortable emotions because it made my parents uncomfortable or it made my sibling uncomfortable or it made my spouse uncomfortable or it made me uncomfortable because no one helped me understand what I actually wanted or what I actually needed. And that work, although can be scary, is actually really beautiful. And I hope people lean into that and they invite that kind of healing because that's the healing that makes changes for the rest of your life. Right. Diets are like short term gains with long term consequences. Right. But when you do this emotional work, this is short and long term gains. This lasts you a lifetime. These skills will last you for forever. And then you can teach it to your children. You can teach it to your friends, your family, your spouse. And then there's yeah. this like beautiful healing on an emotional level that then turns into a cellular level and then a tissue level mm -hmm. and then an organ system level. And then it's just your whole body is a different body. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it becomes fun. It's exactly. Fun so Gina, how do you want to wrap up this podcast? What wisdom, what information, what knowledge do you want to leave people with today? I just want to say that if we let go of the judgment and shame around our food cravings, that's when the journey begins. And so I hope this gave you some little data and checkpoints to like, okay, where is my next breadcrumb? What do I need to explore? Is it one of these, all of these and if you want the specific strategies right alongside me, if you want to come figure this out, Conquering Cravings is going to be here. It's right around the corner. It comes once a year. And that's at mygutsyhealth.com backslash conquer dash cravings. And you can use the discount code cravingspodcast50 to get $50 off. So thank you for listening. And Gina, what last bit of wisdom do you want to leave listeners with before we wrap up this podcast today? I think to just not be afraid of the inner journey with yourself. And just when we let go of that judgment and we come from a place of curiosity, it can be fun and it can be freeing. And that relationship getting to know yourself is the most beautiful, extraordinary one that we can ever have. And most people don't, the health industry doesn't give us the space and encourage us to really do that. It's all about fixing something broken instead of understanding and and creating a deep relationship with yourself and I really think that that's where the beauty is agreed I 100% agreed thank you Gina for your wisdom I'm so grateful for your own healing journey that brought you to creating courses like this that are soul and with soul and science what a beautiful gift you've brought into the world to help us evolve into 
more enlightened healing beings versus like just backlashing ourselves. And what is it called? Self-flagellants? Like that doesn't yeah. work anymore. Like self-flagellants doesn't work, it's guys. Kinky. It's not, it's not sexy anymore. It, does, it doesn't have to be hard. It can actually be really beautiful. Yeah. So I highly recommend taking her course. I took it the first time when you taught it and there were so many ahas that still sit with me today that I, I have better and better every year. Oh, it does. Then I need to listen oh, yeah. to this year. Then I have oh, to like, yeah, totally. oh my God, it's better every year. It's great. Okay. I'm going to tune in this year then too, because there were just oh. so many golden nuggets that I still use on the daily. So anyway, so cool. You listeners will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Guts of Health podcast. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast.